This hour of gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Yeah. CHUM AM Toronto is TSN 1050, an iHeart radio station. The Leafs live here. You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. A bit of a different show. You heard Al's brother sort of uh, allude to it. Today is Martin Luther King Day, so there are NBA games going on throughout the day, including the Raptors taking on the Knicks at 3 o'clock. We have that game for you right here on TSN 1050. So in the last segment here uh, at the first hour, it is going to be me and Warren Ward getting you set for Raptors and the Knicks. And then at 3 o'clock, it is the game. You'll have me and Warren Ward and Josh Lundberg at halftime. And then when the game ends, we will be going to overdrive. So just a, a bit of a different afternoon for everyone out there on the roads, driving around, listening to the station. Of course, thank you very much for doing that and for all your support. And gameplay on TSN 1050 is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. So naturally, I have 4,000 things to say about this last weekend of wildcard football. That was a lot better than any of us expected. We could have seen a lot of blowouts, and we only saw one, and that was Seattle and San Fran. And we'll get into that. Also tonight, you've got you got you got brand on brand. I mean, if you think of the largest, most powerful brands in football, Tom Brady and the Dallas Cowboys would be near the top of that list. And you can you know that game is. Uh, Going on later tonight. How good is that going to be? We are absolutely I, spoiled, Maddie. Just to jump oh in, there. just lately, yeah. just this this last few like this three day stretch, like any sport you want. Like I watched two types of football on the weekend. I woke up, watched some Premier League. I, th- I essentially watched football. I guess you can call it from eight a.m. To, to midnight. And we have basketball running all day. We have hockey running all day. What else can you ask for on the Monday? It, it's it is it's crazy now. Um, just for everyone who uh, who might not know, Owen, when did you start producing here? Because you're one of the, uh, the the fresh-faced young producers, you and Josh, battling it out to see which one we all like the best. Um, I mean, you guys, I mean, you make Chris and Nick look like old men. Yeah, I hope they're listening exactly. to you said that. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think I made my debut just after the new year. I think either the second or the third. Okay, so I, I, I brought this up for a very specific reason. I want you to embrace this. Because coming this summer, we will there will be your traditional dead periods in the world of sports, where it's going to be a Wednesday in early August, mm-hmm. and you're going to be like, woof, it is a light content day. Now, I love those days because it allows you to sort of go off the beaten path and do different things. But enjoy, embrace this right now because it's just crazy. Oh, it's it's and you know what? I actually had that exact thought while I was going through the lineup because when I was an yeah. intern here, I was looking at Chris Horvat's uh, lineups, yeah. uh, Nick McVicker's <laughs> lineups, and and then this morning I was like, man, there are so many things I could realistically put on here for stories, but I had there's to make no a cutoff. I oh, had yeah, to make a cutoff. There's just there's too much going on. Um, but you know what? I am down with those 
those three-hour runs where you can go off topics and talk about yeah. your wine selection and charcuterie oh. boards and, oh. and all that. But that's but that's summer content, Maddie. That's yes. that's that that's a lazy day summer content right there. And real charcuterie boards, not this BS that no. Al's brother does with no, chicken. Wings. No chicken wings. I I've Jesus. asked multiple people about that. No one has it. But each no one. each each response is worse than the next. What an awful take by you. I just have to jump in there. What is is wrong with chicken wings on a board? Get your act together. A lot. A lot. Listen, it just doesn't belong, okay? Uh, Okay, let me give you an example. Everyone likes uh, a nice glass of orange juice. Mm -hmm. Everyone likes a nice bowl of cinnamon toast crunch. But if you put orange juice in the cinnamon toast crunch, it suddenly becomes disgusting. It makes no sense. I love chicken wings. I love charcuterie board. But they should be separate. It's two completely different taste profiles. I don't know how valid that comparison is. I saw producer Chris's face, and I don't know how he was feeling that. <laughs> yeah, but, uh... big time eye roll. But anyways, I miss you anyways, Maddie. Have a good yeah, show. Yeah. Thank you, old man Horvat. We're, we're five minutes into a packed show, and we're talking about charcuterie boards. Okay, real quick, before we get to my opening <laughs> thought, good point by you. Uh, real quick, give me the C.J. McCollum sound. Uh, from He's got like a show or a podcast or something with ESPN. Yep. Listen to, listen to C.J. McCollum talking about the Raptors. I think in terms of what they need or what they're lacking, something's going to happen. I don't know what. There's rumblings about certain players on the team not being happy and due to tampering. I can't speak to that, but I think they're going to they're gonna move someone. The trade deadline is less than a month away. The Raptors went a disappointing three and three on a home stretch where they needed to have a winning record. I just I think it's crazy that an active player is that forthright and about just and yeah. feels that confident about oh yeah, they're gonna make a move. I when do we hear that? Yeah, I mean I can't say I'm surprised by hearing that. But I'm surprised we heard it like that directly. Like I'm, yes. like, we usually hear this stuff through reports, and we we've all heard everything going on with multiple players, multiple starters this year, actually. Um, but yeah, and I mean that loss against Atlanta was really weird because I think those losses coming after a winning streak kind of have like yeah. a unique feeling to them. That that's the way that I felt, and especially the way the way that they lost. They never led at any part in the game. They've been suffering from those slow starts, and they do those kind of fake comebacks at the end of those games and they're i guess they're losing valiantly but that has right. to take a toll in the locker room when you lose games like that consistently consistently that are reasonably close yeah and we'll get that more in the last segment with warren ward but let's get to it let's get to the nfl which is the subject of my opening thought time now for matt's opening thought oh i'm sorry did i break your concentration I mean, it's really nothing more than a self-absorbed monologue, a chance for Matt to rant about something and pretend he's a serious radio personality instead of a gas bag. Let's face it, he stole this idea from Dennis Miller. Now, I don't want to get off on a rant here. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! This weekend's slate of football was better than we thought. Three of the five games, if you went on FanDuel, the favorite was favored by more than eight points. Three of the five games. You had a third stringer starting for Miami against Buffalo and a second stringer for Baltimore starting against Cincinnati. And yet this was an incredible weekend of football. Even the blowout game, the 49ers 41-23 win over Seattle, was still compelling. Seattle led 17-16 at the half. The, the, The key moment was second half. San Fran gets a touchdown on their first drive. And then Seattle, they're driving the ball well. They're converting a bunch of third downs. 
Geno Smith gets sacked, fumbled. Nick Bosa recovers the fumble. 49ers score a touchdown soon after that. 31-17, game over. So what were the biggest stories and themes from this wild, wild card weekend? First, shedder to the underdogs. As I mentioned, Seahawks. That was a one-score game into the fourth quarter. Dolphins had a lead with eight minutes left in the third quarter. Ravens were a half a yard away from going up 24-17 in the fourth quarter before Tyler Huntley, that goal line fumble, that just a horrible decision by him, and Sam Hubbard returning it 99 yards for a touchdown. Second uh, uh, theme, second uh, real uh, takeaway, you know that cliche about teams that wins the turnover battle wins the game? Well, it's a cliche for a reason. Turnovers had more impact in the NFL than it did on the Boston Bruins winning 4-3 over the Leafs on Saturday. Woof, what a bad turnovers there for Toronto. As I said, the turning point of the 49ers game, Geno Smith fumble. What about the Dolphins? Ah, on the day when you come up with this great opening thought, there are technical issues. Yeah, it happens. All right. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cos. You're listening to TSN 1050. We're brought to you by FanDuel, but on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. In a, a couple minutes, we're going to have Melissa Jacobs on, football writer, contributor with The Guardian. And um, there, there was just so many different things to get into. But as a Giants fan, I had all these people contacting me after the game. And I got to tell you, um, Giants beat the Vikings 31-24. Not the most shocking result. The most shocking result was the Jaguars beating the Chargers. Brendan Staley should immediately be fired. The Jags are minus five in the turnover ratio, and they win. But this Giants team, what I saw, I didn't recognize that team that I saw yesterday. And I know part of it is Minnesota's got a very bad defense. Mac Jones had his best game against that defense. The Jets had over 400 yards against that defense. I recognize that. But that's the most confident version I've seen of Daniel Jones leading the Giants on scoring drives of 75-81, 85-75, and 75 yards. And it's a small sample size, but now I have to look at Daniel Jones differently. In fact, I look at the Giants differently than what I did before. Like, I, I, I feel like I just I immediately got sucked in. Like, on one level, it was incredible. Just I don't know how you are as a sports fan, but when you, you know when your team's been bad for a while? And apathy starts to settle in. Even when the Giants were winning this year, all by like two or three points, all kind of lucky. You know, a lot of the numbers by the Giants just weren't that good. Defensively, big plays, things like that. But then in the course of over three hours, and even before that, the course of the first touchdown drive, I got sucked back in. I got to tell you, it was crazy. It's something I'm not used to, where I went from a couple years where I just didn't really... I, I had no expectations with this team to suddenly I'm swearing at the TV. I'm swearing at the TV. I got sucked back in as a Giants fan. I had allowed myself to emotionally be closed off to sports, and now I opened my heart up again, and it was wonderful uh, until there was the drop by Slayton and the bogus uh, roughing the passer penalty, and I'm like, oh, my God, this feels like five, six years ago. Um, j- join me now to, to break down all the football. Melissa Jacobs from TheGuardian.com. You could follow her on Twitter, at TheFootballGirl. Melissa, thank you so much for joining the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm pretty pumped. I'm not a Giants fan, but I'm pretty pumped about them as well. I mean, what a turnaround. 
I like it's crazy. We we'll, we'll start there, and I promise we won't spend all of it there because I can be really self indulgent. I've been a, <laughs> I've been a Giants fan since 1990, so you know it's it's been a while. But oh, this wow. team, yeah, but this team that I saw yesterday and offensively, where I've never seen Daniel Jones look this good. I and it's a small sample size, and I know the Vikings don't have a great defense. I went from the Giants need to just release Daniel Jones and go in another direction to now I'm thinking, okay, they got to pay him as much as they as Minnesota pays Kirk Cousins. Being a sports fan just allows you to be intellectually and emotionally all <laughs> over the place. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, the conversation has shifted so much. Like, you can't lose this guy, and I would 100% want him over Kirk Cousins. Um, I mean, that was just that, – that performance by Jones and the, the growth that he's had this season under Dable has, has just been incredible. And, and I, I just love how, you know, one of the things I love from the, from the game, and we saw it over the course of the season, is just, just like how much belief Dable has. Like, he's such a player first coach. Like, we're, we're going for the win. We're not playing not to lose, you know. And obviously when you have – Daniel Jones, and he has, you know, using that body, and, and, you know, you can go for it on fourth and one, and, you know, typically it's going to work out. But, it, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a really amazing turnaround for, for New York, of course. It, yeah, it, it really has. Like, this is what they felt to me, and we see this almost every year in the regular season, that lucky team that goes 9-7, and 10-6, they make the playoffs, <laughs> and then they get stomped in the first round. That is where my negative brain was. And then after the first drive, everything switched. I'm like, bleep it. They're going to beat the Eagles next week. But the, the Giants kind of had that feel to me as a, a one-and-done team. And now, and, and now I don't know what to think. Maybe you can help me. Tell me how I should think. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's yeah, as a Giants fan, I would be like on cloud nine also. At the moment, I don't know. I, I feel like if Daniel Jones is going to, and it's funny because I, I don't know if you saw the quotes, but after the game, Dable was asked how to, to assess his performance. And he's like, he was good. He was good. And they were like, not great. It was good. You know, you guys are the writers. Figure it out. So yeah. it's like, what? I don't know what. What what, you, what great looks like, but yeah. man, I mean, I, and yeah, you know, if you take away the slate and drop, you you know, there's there's just so much to like, and and there are those teams that that get hot, like the you know the that that happens, you know, almost every year that that kind of shocks people, and I wouldn't say that Philadelphia is you know some. I mean, I feel like Kansas City is in a much better position in the AFC than the, than the Eagles are in the NFC for sure. So, I mean, the Giants could make another improbable uh, run. That's what they do, right? My heart has been opened. It has been closed for years and years <laughs> by Dave Gettleman and bad coaches. It's now open, and that scares me. Um, if I don't know what it was for you. I'll throw out what I thought was the biggest story of the weekend. And again, joined by Melissa Jacobs mm-hmm. from The Guardian. For me, it was the Jags-Chargers game. And I, I don't under... Yeah. To me, you, I've never seen this because it's never happened. If you are plus five in the turnover margin, not only do you win, you usually win by 40. Uh, and like to me, I look at this on two levels. One, the collapse of the Chargers. But the other... For Trevor Lawrence making his first ever playoff start, he throws four interceptions, and his confidence never wavered. Yeah, I don't know what happened in that locker room at halftime, but 
I mean, he was, you know, a, a different different quarterback. And, I mean, he, that's the other one with, uh, you know, with Dable, Doug Peterson, just believing in his players, being aggressive. Obviously, he was super aggressive um, in this one. And, you know, you just saw the, the momentum shift. And, and, and the Chargers, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Brandon Staley, but – I mean, that was just an epic. I, I don't. I don't have the words to describe what a collapse it was, but it was also yeah. a product of just being conservative and all, you know, it was just horrible. It was a chart. You know, the Chargers being the Chargers, but like worse than they normally are in terms of yeah. the heartbreak. I, so. Yeah, this Charger yeah. goes beyond Philip Rivers or Marty Schottenheimer and, and <laughs> yeah. so many wonderful moments of Chargers chargering, but they, they, they certainly did. <laughs> so if if we get rid of that, what like when you woke up this morning, if you were going to write one story uh, what from what we saw on Saturday and Sunday, what would it have been? I mean, I kind of agree with you in terms of, of that that game and I think the Jags as much of a turnaround as the Giants have had I mean think about where they were a year ago with yeah. Urban Meyer I mean he had just been fired you know a little over a year ago and you're like oh my god did they just completely squander you know this number one you know supposedly generational talent and then you just see what happens when you put in a competent coach and 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 I know that again, a lot of this was the Chargers' fault, but but the to to, to win that that game and, and that and show that kind of grit was huge. I mean, also, so I don't I don't have like the clear one. I think to me that game was just so insane. Um, and then you you know I would say as, as a second second to that maybe the Forty ers and Seahawks. But but overall, if I was going to like connect the dots, it would just be sort of these like. Back up, like not. I mean, I'm not going to put Geno Smith in the same category as Skylar Thompson, but these quarterbacks that you know people have written off or were writing off this weekend, just outperforming expectations. Oh yeah, even though they're, they're all their teams lost, but but we were entertained. So like Tyler we... Huntley. I mean, yeah, yeah, they kept it close. Like the fact that. Skyler Thompson, Tyler Huntley, and, you know, I'm not putting Dino Smith. That's not fair because he's, like, a legitimate starting quarterback now. But, like, they were supposed to get crushed. He, he outplayed Brock Purdy in, in the first half is, is the point. He, out, he outplayed expectations based on the fact that he was facing the 49ers defense. So that's kind of why I'm doing that. But, yeah, just, I mean, they, they all there, – there are lots of mistakes from all the teams. It's not like any of the teams came out where it's like, oh, yeah, this is – you know, they can give the Chiefs the run for their money or whatever. I, do, I don't believe that the Eagles are sort of on that same level as I said, no. but that, that's sort of my, my takeaway. I know that was like five takeaways in one. But. No, but it was, it's, it's a crazy week. It, it, you know, it's, it, was, it, was a, it was a crazy weekend because all the games were close. We expected it to be a lot of blowouts, and it never happened. Um, you mentioned the 49ers yeah. and their defense. I want to uh, talk about the offense for a second. And everything I'm about to say, none of mm-hmm. this is against – this is not anything against Brock Purdy. Because he's outperformed Jimmy Garoppolo, he's outperformed Trey Lance, who they gave a hundred draft picks to take him in the first round. But when I watch the 49ers offense, it just they they make it so much easier for the quarterback. Yeah. Like you can look at the final numbers and be impressed, but I think almost all those touchdowns, the player was wide open and, and Debo Samuel, that was a short right. pass 
that was all about uh, Debo Samuel's athleticism and Brandon Ayuk's downfield blocking that led to a 74-yard touchdown. You know, just it seems to me the softest, safest place to be a quarterback is in the 49ers offense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, it's, it's you know, he's a fantastic story, obviously, yes. Mr. Relevant. We all have to write about him, and he's de- he's delightful. I mean, LeBron James is tweeting about him. But without having the best, literally the best left tackle in football, all of those weapons, Kyle Shanahan calling plays, I mean, uh, you're right. There's no – I mean, that's the dream scenario. Like, that's – it doesn't get as good as that. And, then, and you know, you saw that in the first half where, you know, you, you saw – the mistakes and the jitters and all that. And then the second half, they calmed down. They had that huge um, opening drive of the third quarter that was very run heavy, more so than they had been in the tap and then, and they scored and that sort of then set the tone for them to, to sort of soar from there. But yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it is, it is Mecca. It is quarterback Mecca for anybody that is going to be under center for San Francisco right now. Yeah, and it kind of reminded me of, like, you know, why I've been so negative on Daniel Jones, but he's gone through so many coaches, offensive coordinators, horrible offensive linemen, and, and bad targets, you know, and maybe if Daniel Jones was yeah. in San Anyway, we, I'm not going back to the Giants. That's, that's self-indulgent. I, I will leave well, you with no, this. no, no, no. I mean, I think yeah. it's fair to say. I mean, I would say, like, even, even in Baltimore, like, if you look at Baltimore, you know, if you look at the Giants receiving crew, and, I, you know, the Giants, and I know you have Saquon, so that's a huge difference maker but everyone else and and you put them up against what the 49ers have I mean it's still like night and day and I mean and you know to have Christian McCaffrey I mean it's just it's San Francisco is just like an unbelievable uh, offensive roster and, and, and defensive roster as well Yep, it it is, and you know, and it allowed Purdy to have a bad first half, but it's not like they were out of that game. All right, I'll leave you with this, and maybe the the toughest question: What was more compelling? Uh-oh. The ninety. Uh, okay, no, I'm gonna do it like this. What's more compelling this <laughs> week? Previewing the Bengals versus the Bills, or previewing Lamar Jackson versus Ravens management? What is the more interesting story this week? <laughs> I mean, I you can only pick one. I you can't go. Well, think, they're both interesting. Okay, one. okay, okay. I'm gonna go. With, <laughs> I'm gonna go <laughs> with the Bengals Bills. That's that's the that's the easy out, right? Bengals yes. Bills, bring it. Yeah, yeah. Go with the <laughs> cowardly answer. Well, the We're interesting. Gonna, I mean, yeah. Sorry. I was, no, 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 no. I was going to say the the interesting thing is it's the, the winners of that game of both those games probably think to themselves, "Wow, we got lucky." That we made mistakes that, you know, these were games we were supposed to win by far larger yeah. margins in terms of the Bengals and the Bills. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think Kansas City is by far the biggest winner this weekend, kind of seeing all the holes and all the mistakes and then the teams. And, and those are, you know, probably the two that are supposed to be the, you know, biggest um, you know, that are the biggest competitors that were and, and still are um, for a potential AFC championship. I mean, we'll see what happens with the Chiefs, of course, but, you know, there was a lot of a lot of bad uh, juju coming from, from both yep. of those teams. But, you know, the, we know the Bengals are as confident as it gets. And, you know, Josh, Josh Allen, you know, did some great things, did some 
not great things and you know there's some defensive things to, to shore up and you know both of their secondaries and whatnot but uh, yeah I mean we'll, we'll just see how they both rebound I mean that's that's part of the journey right you don't just like fly through the playoffs and I mean the, the playoffs are just like a whole different beast so it's how you, I mean, we, we saw this weekend so many teams, like well, certainly the Jags stand out the most, but coming back from adversity and making games close. And, you know, that's, that's what you have to do. It, it builds the character to, to take you to the promised land. Melissa, where can people find your work? Well, I'm mostly um, working for The Guardian. Um, yep. I'm an NFL contributor there. And I um, also do a lot of work for BBC. I should actually move to London. Um, and I, I'm also a contributor for Gridiron Magazine and still have the footballgirl.com. Uh, but I'm, I'm, on, I'm very active on Twitter as a football girl. So if you want to just talk football with me and, you know, do the virtual sports bar thing, I'm, I'm happy. I love engaging with people. Yeah. Hey, listen, really appreciate it. First time coming on the show. It's a lot of fun. Thank you for joining the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was totally fun. Absolutely. That is Melissa Jacobs. Follow her on Twitter, at the football girl, and uh, you can find her on Twitter very easily. No underscores, easy Twitter account. we got to take a break. On the other side, we do it every Monday. It's the Monday Matt Mood Meter. That's coming up next. This is Gameplay. Can I get in on that? On TSN 1050. You broke his thumbs. It was an accident. <laughs> is that what you call it when somebody doesn't pay up? Embrace the odds. I want winners. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. It's Matt's Monday Mood Meter. Are you kidding me? This baby is off the charts. <laughs> on TSN 1050, Mondays live here. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Welcome back, everyone. This is Gameplay. I am your host, Matt, because you're listening to TSN 10.50. We do it every Monday. It's the Monday Matt Mood Feeder. And producer Owen, what do you got? First one I got here is one of my favorite players in the NFL, and that is Lamar Jackson. Mm. I'm sure we might get to this audio later on, but Lamar yeah. Jackson, whether it's his decision, whether it was the team's decision, Lamar Jackson sat Baltimore Ravens game on the weekend. Some people agreed, some people didn't. How are you feeling if you're Lamar Jackson receiving some criticism from media and fans after his decision? Um, I'm feeling great. He put out a post saying, basically, um, you know, if you treat me good, I'll treat you good as well. And if I feel great because I think he's delusional. I think part of this comes from never having an agent. You need sometimes to have an agent to buffer between you and management to avoid some of the uncomfortable conversations. But in, in, in Lamar Jackson's world, he's doing everything perfectly. Why was he not at the game? Why did he not travel with yeah, the Cincinnati uh, to, to face the Cincinnati Bengals? And when you hear all this reporting, like this is not some devastating injury. I'm not saying he should have played, but it's not like he was coming off three tears of an MCL, ACL, PCL, and a CL to be named later. Um, but how am I feeling? I'm feeling great. The Ravens lost, and I don't know how much he cares about the team. He wasn't even with the team. And there's a lot of people questioning, wondering how his rehab is going. It is shrouded with mystery. It's a disaster. But if I'm... 
you know, if, if if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm feeling great. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. I'm all for player longevity and taking it safe the majority of the time. But I think you got to be there, and it definitely sends a message that he wasn't. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think we already might know your mood on this one. All right. But if you're Daniel Jones... After a huge performance, oh, you have you might have some oh, people like yourself like switching me. it up a little bit, yes. uh, being a little intellectually yes. dishonest. I think that was the word you used. But yes. if you're Daniel Jones, <laughs> how are you feeling after some of the fan base has you know turned on you in a good way? And how are you feeling entering contract negotiations? I am feeling vindicated. I am feeling rich. I am feeling um, when you have all the leverage in the world. Daniel Jones, and I, listen, you're going to see it here. You're going to see a flip-flop. You're going to see intellectual dishonesty. You're going to see reckless uh, emotions. But now I, I have to take a step back. I do. Like, I was against them on FanDuel. I took a four-team money line parlay, and I got three out of four right. The one I got wrong, Giants. Daniel Jones has had three head coaches, has had four offensive coordinators in the last four seasons. This was the first year where he had a good offensive line. Like, like we now saw Andrew Thomas is finally coming into his own. Evan Neal looks like will be a great tackle. You know, and, and they got it done where their number one receiver, they picked up on the waiver wire from the Buffalo Bills you know, uh, in, in Isaiah Hodgins or Hodgson, whatever his name is. Anyway, I'm feeling vindicated because this is the first time on the national spotlight where um, I got to show maybe I'm better than, uh, than what I've been. But I'm, I, I'm not like um, uh, Brock Purdy. I don't have all those great weapons around me. And it, but deep in my head, I'm also feeling a little bit thankful that I was facing the Vikings, that defense also stinks. There's been a noticeable change in, I'd say, the the feeling around the Raptors team lately. We've seen yes. some, some somewhat, I don't know, I would call it maybe some snappy responses in media availability for sure, and it's, and it's completely understandable. They're yep. going through a tough time. But if you're Pascal Siakam, how are you feeling about things right now? Because on the one hand, you're having a career year, He's arguably a top 20 player in the NBA right now, but yep. the Raptors aren't in a great spot. I usually call it the, the quicksand of mediocrity. I like Dave Feschuk's name for it better, the mushy middle. How are you feeling right now? Because I feel like the Raptors don't have an identity. People don't know whether they're buyers or sellers, and they've lost their identity on the court as well. So if you're Pascal Siakam, you're hearing rumors about tanking, trades. How are you feeling on this Monday? I'm feeling abandoned. I, I, I'm feeling, um, you know, it's like I'm doing everything I can. I, I, lead the, I lead this team in points, in rebounds, and assists. Yeah, I missed 10 games, but I'm also playing over 37 minutes a night. Uh, I'm angry at this producer called uh, Owen who says I may be a top 20 player. You're damn right I'm a top 20 player. Uh, I, I'm, I'm probably around a uh, player uh, number like 16. Maybe 17 in the league. Anyway, I'm, I'm feeling abandoned. It's like, wait a minute, I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do, and now there's bad feelings, and, and wait a minute, we're now tanking? We're now going to try to catch Houston? Get the hell out of here. Man, I love Spicy P as, as much as the next guy, but you know what? That's, that's a conversation for a Wednesday in July. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where does Siakam fit within the NBA? Oh, oh I can't wait when we're, <laughs> where we're doing that, and and talking about and the Blue Jays, they got uh, 
They're taking on the Brewers. Gord Ash will join the show later for three hours because <laughs> we need something to talk about. Now, the Toronto Maple Leafs suffered a loss to Boston yeah. that might have, I don't know, tr- triggered some memories a little bit. I think yeah. Julie Tesheri quoted as being PTSD-ish. Yes. If you're a Leafs fan, how are you feeling about that? Because not only that, but Brad Marchand's comments played a role in it as well. Uh, you had Brad Marchand kind of complimenting the team a little bit, and then you go and lose in a relatively Leaf-like way. It's not like they necessarily blew a lead, but they lost in the closing moments. If you're a Leafs fan, how are you feeling right now? Um, God, I mean, the PTSD is definitely is, is definitely the uh, the right sort of answer. You're feeling you're feeling conflicted. You know, you wanted to get sucked back into this team. And they did go toe-to-toe, but it was just stupid, stupid mistakes made over and over again, like the turnovers by Tavares, by Morgan Riley, by Connor Timmons. But they're, they're you know, they're, I think they got the second-best record in the East. So you're conflicted. You're conflicted. You should be feeling better than what you are. That's the problem, is you should be feeling better about who this team is, and they almost went into overtime against the best team in the NHL. You got the second-best record. You got talent all over the place. You got both your goalies, or even your third-string goalies, overachieving, and yet you don't feel good because of the stupid playoffs in the past, because of all the scars, and because it had to be bleeping Boston. Bleep that team. Oh, my God, Boston. Get out of here. That's how you're feeling. I got one more. We'll make it quick. All right. I know. I got to go. How are you feeling? (laughs) If you're Jerry Jones coming into tonight. Oh, my God. You are scared to death. You are clinging on to that bottle of Johnny Walker Blue extra tighter. You know you should win. You know you have the better team. Tampa Bay got outscored worse than any other team in the NFC South. But you can't. You don't fully trust your quarterback. You don't fully trust your coach. But you can't get rid of either of them. If you're Jerry Jones, you are scared to death. You are scared to death taking on Tom Brady um, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's all I got for you. Nice job. Nice job by you. Coming up on the other side, again, a different version of gameplay. We got the Raptors and Knicks at 3 o'clock. So coming up on the side, we're going to uh, preview that game and just talk some big picture Raptors with Warren Ward, our TSN 1050 Raptors broadcast analyst. That's coming up next. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I am your host, Matthew Cause. Coming up in just under 20 minutes' time, the Raptors taking on the New York Knicks. There's NBA wall-to-wall action all day today, as today is Martin Luther King Day. Joining me now, and you'll hear him at the half as well, it is our Raptors broadcast analyst. It is Warren Ward. Good afternoon, Warren. Um, Odd time to be talking to you, but uh, thanks for joining the show. Always a pleasure to talk to you, man. Anytime. Yeah, so thank Warren, you. I, I want to start here. Thank you for joining. I want to start here. My producer Owen's going to play some sound. And I yep. got to tell you, usually when you hear about, oh, a team is looking to move a guy or trade, it's always sources close to the source can neither confirm nor deny, but we're hearing rumblings. In this right. case, there's none of it. Here's CJ McCollum just being pretty forthright about the Raptors are going to trade somebody. I think in terms of what they need or what they're lacking, something's going to happen. I don't know what. There's rumblings about certain players on the team not being happy and due to tampering. I can't speak to that, but I think they're going to they're going to move someone. Can you remember a time when a player 
on another team just came out so casually and said, oh, yeah, they're going to be making some moves. No, I, I, I don't. Uh, that's the first I've heard of it, and I saw, the, I saw it on Instagram this morning. But um, that's, his, that's his opinion, right? We don't, we don't know. I mean, I, we don't I heard, know. Oh, no, right, yeah. We, we don't really know. And I, I think that's the, the, the best part about the Raptors. They don't really get into the whole mess of you know, the NBA with leaking stuff. You know, they keep things pretty close to the chest. But, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm hesitant. I, may, maybe someone does get traded. I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure the team is looking to improve and I, I'm sure they would they would constantly look at ways that they can affect winning. But at the same time, if I look back at these games, like they've lost to the Bucks by three, they lost to Brooklyn by two and one. They're they're not getting blown out of games. So to to break up the team and whether that's Fred or OG or whoever whoever's on the trading block, I have no idea. But to break it up, I think you're disrupting chemistry. And the question remains to me is, do you get better with a trade? If the team gets outright better midway through the year, if if, if it's really gonna affect and change everything of you know and the direction i think that's most important what direction are we going to go in are we going to go younger are we going to keep a more you know veteran presence around um you know scotty right are like you know what's the direction i think that's more important than who who comes in and out of the team the, oh yeah oh no i agree and i i'm not here saying it's time uh, to blow it up and and that would be disrespectful to the san antonio spurs to think you could tank and catch a team like them what I just found interesting was just the nonchalant nature of it. And, and McCollum, and it was whispered in my ear by good producer Owen here, he's the PA president. Like, I just wonder what the hell is going on behind the scenes <laughs> for a veteran player, president of the PA, to say it as nonchalantly as, oh, yeah, you know, uh, I mean, he's saying it like he's ordering lunch. <laughs> well, I mean, media now is like, we're, fans, I, I, don't, I don't think they want to not hear stuff like that. I mean, he's just being transparent and open to him to say that they're going to trade someone. He's not in the front office. No one could get no. traded. We don't know, right? Yeah. There's, there's no real way of telling, but maybe that's just his opinion, you know, and, that, and that's, that's okay. I mean, PA president or not, if I'm in the league and, you know, I know that players are unhappy, and you can see that some of the guys are unhappy with losing, for sure. I don't think they're unhappy with the team. I think they're just unhappy with losing, as, as, as any competitor would be. But we're just going to have to wait and see like everybody else. You know, grab your popcorn, enjoy the show, enjoy the ride. I think this, this game today is a really, really big game. I think every game for the Raptors here on out is going to determine, like I said, the direction of, you know, where the team is going. Whether, you, we could trade everybody on the team. I don't, I don't think that, that really matters all that much. I think the, what, what, what matters is, okay, where are we going long term? Where are we going in five years? Does this trade um, hinder that? Does, does, it, does it put us in, in a direction to get closer five or ten years, you know, you know what, down the line? Because once you win, as, as we all know, once you, once you win a championship, once you get a taste of that, you want to repeat it. You want to find ways to go ahead and win again. Masai Ujiri and that staff, I know, I know for a fact, winning one title is not, is not the goal. It's winning multiple. So how do we repeat success? Oh, yeah, and, and, and agreed. And I'm, I'm in a weird spot here where I still give them the benefit of the doubt because they have succeeded and they have done a lot of winning. The, the weird thing is, and maybe the, 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 the rule is always just avoid social media altogether, but it seemed like somewhere after that loss to Atlanta, I'm seeing more and more sort of acceptance that the Raptors are headed down the road of sellers rather than buyers. And I don't know, and this is really not saying what you think they should do, because who knows, but I don't know if you've noticed this or if you've felt this at all, Warren. 
Uh, I, I, no, I was, I was, uh, the game in Atlanta, like you said, it was, it was a big one for me because we talked about it, you know, prior to, I think the Raptors beat all the teams that they should beat, regardless of how well they play. But as soon as they play a good team with a quick guard or two quick guards in this case, yeah. um, things don't think th- you know, th- this, this is, this is what happens. They'll end up the right. They'll end up losing. Um, so with, with that being said, it's, it's, a uh, it's to me, it was like a step back. You know, if if that makes sense, they, they they regressed. I think they they beat Portland, they beat Charlotte twice at home, and then they played a better team, a team they should beat because Atlanta's not that good, and then they lose. So to play the Knicks today and the Bucks tomorrow, this is a huge statement. This is this these two games are very important because now you're playing teams that are better than Atlanta, and what are you going to do? Are you going to get blown out, or are you going to come out and you know find a way to win? Can they play with the same sort of consistency that they did in the previous three wins? So um, that's why I said I think they did regress, and it just showed. I think it showed a lot of people that they're a good team, but they're not a good enough team to beat any other team that's just as good. On the positive, uh, what have you been seeing recently from Scotty Barnes? We've seen the numbers go up and just him uh, manning the center position. Just from a technical X's and O's standpoint, I'm again joined by Warren Ward, uh, and you'll hear him at the half, Raptors and the Knicks game. You can hear on TSN 1050 as soon as gameplay is done. What have you seen uh, from Scotty Barnes? Well, I don't, I don't know. I think um, putting Scotty in the high post area has been probably most effective and you got to give Nick Nurse credit that for that you got to give the the coaching staff i mean when Scotty brings the ball up the floor he's no different than Ben Simmons cuz he's not a point guard you know yeah. he 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 comes off ball screens and if you know if any team if i'm guarding Scotty Barnes i'm going to go underneath the ball screen cuz he's not a shooter so he doesn't really it doesn't really make sense to bring the ball up the floor what they're doing they're giving him the ball, the ball at the top of the key, where he's good enough to to at least get by his defender, which which he's doing, and then he's able to be a point guard and make plays. Whether because you because you have two other guys on either side of the floor, so it's him in the middle with two on one side and two on the other, and he can just pick options. He can make passes out of that. He can go ahead and give the ball to Fred or you know Pascal coming off um, you know a little pin down, and and he he has more freedom to go ahead and play there. And I think he, there he's more effective, and I think that's, that's the key. They're giving him the ball with space, and the space allow, allows him to be um, you know, what he is, which is uh, you know, a playmaker. Yeah, and it's you know it's 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 one of those things like if things go wrong for the team if they're still losing all these close games, then I think there's going to be more of a microscope on okay if it's not about the standings and about playoff seeding, then it is about the development of youth, and that of course would start with Scotty Barnes. Yeah. Hey, Warren, really appreciate, and we'll be chatting. Uh, we'll be chatting in a bit at halftime. It'll be you, me, and Josh Lewenberg, and yes, hopefully sir. the Raptors can do a better job slowing down Julius Randle than the last time when the guy hit like five threes in the first quarter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He had like 20 points in the first quarter, but they did a better job afterwards. We'll yeah. see. Big game today, though. I'm excited. Yeah, so am I. And uh, we'll chat with you in a second. That is Warren Ward, again, Raptors broadcast analyst, who you can catch at the half with me and Josh Lewenberg. And that loss to Atlanta was a tough one because you you had the longest homestand, and you kind of want you had to have a winning record, but you go three and three. And also because Atlanta's just the team just ahead of you. 
You know, you need to get these wins, leapfrog the teams in front of you, win the head-to-head matchups if this comes down to any sort of playoff seeding. And it doesn't get any easier. After the Raptors today against the Knicks, it's back-to-back. It is tomorrow against Milwaukee. Ten of their next 12 games come on the road. They'll play five games in seven days this week. And all five of those games in the next seven days come against teams that are at least 500. Um, and yes, as we mentioned before, uh, there was some questionableness nature of Van Vliet when he played today, but he has been cleared to play, and he's going to look to bounce back. Uh, lower back uh, soreness uh, limited him in that loss to Atlanta, which is why only three points on one of nine shooting in 26 minutes. All right, that is going to do it for an abbreviated version of gameplay. But you're going to want to stick around because coming up, we got Raptors, Knicks. And then after that, it's overdrive. And then after that, it is Cowboys and Tampa. My Lord. What a night, Matty. What a night. What a night. Yes. We got to take a break. Everyone, thanks you so much for listening. Coming up in a moment, Raptors basketball. This hour of gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app.